0: Waiting may not be a word we associate with Christmas other than we know we have to wait until it finally comes. So what do we do then? What do we do while we're waiting? You know, we think of Christmas as a time to celebrate, and it certainly is. But while we wait, we can also show we are celebrating. Oh, not just with mere decorations and happy gatherings, but in how we live our life. The Apostle Paul points us forward to wait for the coming of Jesus. And as we wait, to live in celebration with a life that reflects the blessings that God has given us, that reflects the righteousness he says is ours in Jesus. Listen to these words of the Apostle Paul as he encourages us in our living to celebrate the birth of Christ. And do this, understanding the present time. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber, because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. We keep our focus on Jesus. That's how we'll celebrate and wait. At this time, we invite our young children, ages three through second grade, to Meet the teacher in the entryway and be taken to the classroom for Children's Church. Have you started to get ready for Christmas? Sometimes you wonder, with so much to do, what should I do first? But we see people starting to get ready Decorations going up on houses, the shopping season has started, all sorts of things. But you know, for some people, getting ready for Christmas happened some time ago already. All right, we've gone into the stores and we've seen already in October all these Christmas displays up. And we might think, boy, that's really early. But you know, somebody had to be thinking and planning for those October displays well in advance of October. I I think that people maybe last spring were already starting to plan for Christmas in order to have all the decorations laid out and ordered and all the stock coming in. Boy, getting ready for Christmas can be a big deal. Well, we know that part of getting ready for Christmas is just that excitement, that anticipation of what is coming. Just like, you know, little kids look forward and get excited, you know, we do too, in a way even though it's still 29 days away. And so we have a time before Christmas for us to get ready. We call it Advent. It's a time for us to anticipate that coming of Christ and to do so with a spirit of hope, confidence, trust, assurance. And that's what we want to focus our attention on in these next few weeks. With a series of messages entitled Getting Ready for Christmas, but really our focus is getting ready for Christ. Not just that one day, but for him throughout our whole life. So today we start with the encouragement about waiting for Christ in hope. The words that we're going to use for our message today are from Paul's letter to the Thessalonian Christians, his first letter to them, in which he was noting what Christ has done for them. And we'll see the same thing he has done for us. Here are the apostles' words. Paul, Silas, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. We always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before our God and Father, your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers and sisters loved by God, that he has chosen you And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you. Not only in Macedonia and Achaia, your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it. For they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. I think it's a, a safe statement to make that Christmas changes everything. It certainly changes our lives, even if it's just for a few weeks. I mean, think about some of the changes that we go through for Christmas. First of all, we put a big tree in our house. And then we hang lights on that tree and and, and odd-shaped decorations. And we all go, isn't that beautiful? We get involved with all sorts of other activities and there's special food and other decorations. So for a few weeks at least, Christmas really changes our life. But more than that, Christ changes our lives. And not just for a few weeks, but for the rest of our life and for eternity. That's what Paul noted in the Thessalonians, how Christ had changed their lives. I want to point out three of the changes that he noted in them and for us to take encouragement, see those changes in our life too. The first thing he noted was that, now they were waiting and watching for the Lord with a spirit of trust. You know, God's people were waiting hundreds of years for the Savior to come. And as they were waiting, they kind of lost focus on on who they were and and what God had said, And, and so, they had wandered from the Lord. But Paul points out here why it is we can wait and watch for the Lord with trust. The first thing he notes is that the Lord's timing is perfect. Now sometimes we don't understand the timing of the Lord because it it doesn't meet our schedule or it doesn't meet the way we think things should be done. But God's timing is always perfect. I want to take you back to that first scripture reading we had this morning from the prophet Jeremiah, where God talked about his timing. He said, in those days and at that time, I will make a righteous branch sprout from David's line. He will do what is just and right in the land. God knew when Christmas would happen. Well, you and I know it too. We turn the calendar. But this was 600 some years before it would happen. God knew when the time would come and why he would send a savior. The Apostle Paul, with faith, looked back at that event and wrote this about God's timing. He said, when the set time had fully come. God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. At just the right time, God knew when it was just the right time, when everything was in place. And the purpose for sending his son was so that Jesus would come and live for us under that law of God, so we could be adopted as his children. The Apostle Paul also speaks of that timing with these words. He says, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Now, sometimes you and I, when we have a project to do or something, we we know when it's the right time because, you know, we feel the enthusiasm, we have the energy, we have it all figured out, we have all the pieces in place. But Paul says here, we were powerless. There was nothing we could do for our salvation. And so God said, this is the right time. And he sends his son not only to live for us, but then to die for us. God's timing is always perfect. Because it's always in keeping with his promises that he keeps. God for many years had made promises, the Savior will come, the Savior will come. God has made promises to us too for our life now and for our life to come. We should listen to them and watch for them with trust because he keeps those promises. Here's one way to do that. King Solomon, David's son, prayed to the Lord and prayed on the basis of trust in God's promise. Here are his words. Now, Lord, the God of Israel, keep for your servant David, my father, the promises you made to him when you said you shall never fail to have a successor sit before me on the throne of Israel. Solomon was praying for his life, for his rule as the king of Israel, based on the promise that God had made. He was waiting and watching with trust in what God said he would do. And listen to what the angel said when he came to Mary and told her that she would be conceived with the Savior. He said, he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. The angel was simply announcing what God had promised before. The Savior would come from the line of David. And he did come. Because God keeps his promises. So that helps us then as we move through our life to watch with trust in what God is doing. And understanding then that God is going to work his plan. Even when it doesn't seem like he's working, or even when it seems like it's impossible, God works his plan. He did that with sending the Savior. You remember Mary's response to the angel? How can this be? How can I have a child? I'm a virgin. And the angel told her, because God works his plan. Here's what he said. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. For no word from God will ever fail. No word from God will ever fail. Nothing is impossible for God. He will do what he plans. And he did. He sent his Son into this world to live for us. He sent his son into this world to die for us and to rise for us. God works his plan. And God's plan for you and me, it's not done yet. God is still working it. Jesus came and lived and died and rose so that he would come again to save us. And that's what Paul points the Thessalonians to now and urges them to wait and watch with trust for the coming of God. He said, wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. You see, Paul is not just telling us to look back and celebrate the birth of Jesus. He's telling us to look forward and to watch with trust what God is doing and that Jesus is coming back. And that's what this season of Advent is all about. It's the anticipation of God's promises being fulfilled, not just those of the past, but those coming ahead as well. You know, it's very understandable that we put a lot of our focus on our life here and today because we live in the here and now. But God wants us to also watch for what's coming, Jesus, and to have hope and absolute confidence he's coming to rescue us. Now, in the meantime, let's put our our hope in what God has done and the promises he has made to us we know that our life is filled with uncertainties there can be doubts there can be some fears there's pain there's sorrow there's injustice but jesus came to give us hope he came with healing he came with forgiveness and that's our confidence going forward it's not just about this christmas christ day it's about Christ's day that is to come to save us, to rescue us, and give us eternal life. So let me ask you this. Take a look at what's going on in your life. Do you see God working? Take a look at what's going on in other people's lives. Do you see God working? Now be careful. Because Satan likes to create some doubt. He wants us to disavow God. And so he's going to create some doubts and some questions that would lead us to think that, you know, I don't think God really cares. I don't think God loves because why is this terrible stuff going on in in my life or, or somebody else's life? See, Satan is trying to bust up that hope that God has given us. So with Trust in what God says and what God does. Look at what's going on in your life and just wait in hope that He's bringing blessing to you. So, how does that change happen? How did it happen for the Thessalonians? How did, how did they turn from being idol worshipers to having this trust in God and seeing God work in everything in their life? Well, that was the Holy Spirit working in them. And the Holy Spirit works through God's word. So let's take note of this now, what Paul remarked about the change that happened in the Thessalonians' lives. First, that they welcomed God's word into their life. Here's what Paul said. We know brothers and sisters loved by God that he's chosen you because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake, You became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. He remarked on how eager they were to hear God's word. He said, even in the face of severe suffering, you welcome that word. Now, why is it that someone would welcome God's word into their life to bring that change if it would only invite persecution from others? Because that word worked in them a deep conviction in the truth of God. They knew they were chosen and loved by God. So it didn't matter what the world said and what the world did. In the next chapter, the Apostle Paul would even remark that when they received the word of God, they accepted it not as human words, but as it actually is, the power of, the, the word of God, which powerfully works in those who believe. God's word changes lives. I've experienced it. You've experienced it. And you've probably seen it in, experienced by others how it can bring comfort in times of grief, how it can give assurance in times of doubt, how it can give direction and guidance in in times when there's wondering and searching, and how it can bring joy even in the midst of suffering. That's the power of God's word. Welcome that into your life. And then note the other change it'll make. Paul did in the lives of the Thessalonians. He said, so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia. Your faith in God has become known everywhere. What he's pointing out is not only did they welcome the truth, but they also witnessed to the truth with their lives. They lived the word And in that way, they were sharing the word. Paul saw the change. A lot of people saw the change. Paul even remarked about that change at the beginning of the letter. He said, we remember before our God, your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and the endurance that was inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul saw it and so did others. He said that they had such an effect on other people that they, too, turned away from idols to serve, to worship the living God. On point? You see what a change in your life God's word can make? Now, Christmas is often touted as the, the season of giving. But... In fact, if you think about it, it's also the season of getting, right? Because if somebody is giving, then somebody's got to be getting. What are you getting for Christmas? The hope, the assurance of God's love. And how do you get it? From the word. Now I'm sure we're all going to have a busy Christmas season, right? We always do lot of different activities and things we get involved and it's a wonderful time but put on your list also a time to get the word because getting the word is going to bring you those blessings from God now whether you get that word through our Bible classes through reading your Bibles at home or your meditation books from coming to the, the worship services like this or the other special ones that we have this time of the year, get the word, because that's how God gives to you. And then what you get, give away. As you live the word, let that be your way of sharing the word. Let the word change you in, in, in your language, in your behavior, in your attitudes. Let it change you. But let it change you so that others see Christ in you. Not just so that, oh, you're such a nice guy. You're so polite. You're so respectful. That's all good. But why? Let people see the reason for the hope that you have and live. Share Christ. When you talk about Christmas, talk about Christ. When you talk about your activities that you do, talk about those that relate to Christ. And maybe... Maybe instead of wishing people a Merry Christmas, maybe we should say, have a blessed Christmas. And that word blessed will get some attention because that's what God does through his word. He blesses. Paul noted one more change that happens because of Christ. He said, they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. What he was talking about now was what marked them, what made their life stand out as different. It was their worship and their work of the triune God. Throughout this first part of the letter, it was so evident that Paul was talking about the living God when he mentioned the Father who promised our salvation, the Son who produced that salvation, and the Holy Spirit who gives us that faith in salvation. He was talking about the true and living God. But what he pointed out was how these people now changed their life, that they acknowledged this is the true God. They turned away from idols. Now, I don't know what kind of idols they had. I don't know if there were wood or stone statues or something. But whatever it was, it was clear they turned away from it to serve the living God. Worship of the true God stood out from their life. And that kind of make sense. Isn't worship kind of the, the hallmark for a Christian? You know, when people think of Christians, don't they think of us as a church-going people, and rightly so, because that's what we do. We worship and praise God as we gather together to hear his word, reflect on what he has done. We worship the Lord. And from that, we're also moved then to serve the Lord. Again, Paul spoke of their labor and their work and their endurance. It stood out, it was all prompted by that hope that they had from what God had said and done. And it was all about God. He said their message rang out from them. The word was trumpeted. They weren't tooting their own, own horn. They weren't talking about, oh, look at, look at us. Look at how we're changed and, and look at what we do now. No, it was about God. And that's what we should be too. It's not about, look how great Apostles Church is, or look at the wonderful things that we do. No. What we do and point to is what God has done for us. How great is our God. That's a change that Christ makes in our life. To worship, to exalt him, and work for him. Now, Paul said they had... Turned away from idols. It's kind of strange language for us, maybe, because we don't think of having idols in our life. I mean, we don't have any statues of stone and wood in our house that we worship, do we? But we might have some other things that we worship. Maybe even human beings, maybe even ourselves. And by that I mean any time we put anything in the place of God, we've set up an idol. Now, that doesn't mean we can't enjoy or or have the other things that God has given us in life. He's given them to us to enjoy. But we dare not let them replace God, take the place of God, turn away from them, and make God first in your life. Then you'll be waiting in hope. Advent, it's a time to let Christ change you change you as you watch and wait and see what God is doing in your life, with trust in his promises. It's now when we take that word and welcome it into our life and grow in it and share it with others, it's a time when we'll focus on worshiping God and serving him. When we do that, then we can say, we're getting ready for Christ. Amen.